0: you guys, but for me, every time I come into these presents, it's just such a special privilege if we think back to where we've come from. Let me just get going. Now. Let me just pray. Here we go. Father God, just as I share tonight what I believe you put on my heart, Lord, that I represent You represent your words well, God. Thank you for just the honor of being able to share your word. I pray, Lord, that uh, you'd continue to do what you've started in us tonight, Lord. There's so many little things that uh, just been shared in worship and the prayer meeting which show that you're speaking to us as your people, Lord. And uh, Lord, I love it, God. I love it that we don't have to be in control, Lord, that we can just let you be God. It's the most beautiful thing to see you moving in our midst, God, and so... I pray that you be glorified in all we do tonight, Lord. So as I'm going to share tonight. I so Just that first song we sang, and this is my heart, even if I don't, don't share this word. Glorious Father, Son and Spirit, now with man, are intertwined. Beautiful. And my heart is that that is what we'll leave here with tonight. Intertwined with our father, the Bible talks about us being one as he is one, which is mind blowing I mean we can 't struggle to get one on one going here with married couples, and how to be one with Father just freaks me out, but he is the God who can do the impossible possible with us, so anyway, let me get into what we 're sharing where are we are now, five, two so I've entitled this preach, The Battle for Intimacy. Um, So you can see God's been speaking again. He's been speaking to us as a church, um, as a whole, Josh Jen. He's been speaking this word. um, and Two words have come through. One is intimacy and one is testing. And I found a scripture in Deuteronomy which really just ties the two into one another. But first I'm going to read that. Famous scripture in Revelations again, it's Revelation two, four to five. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And that came so that was so clear in our worship tonight. The thing about working with gold and losing Losing the wonder of it. And it seems like, you know, I've been saved, I don't even know how long I've been saved, but 20 years plus. And I've heard that word come over and over and over. And so often we come into these settings and we're looking for the latest revelation and stuff. And often the word of God is just reminding us what we should be doing. And and we forget so easily. We drift off from that place of love. I can see it in my marriage sometimes. It's like I take my wife for granted. It's like she's there, she loves me, she'll just put up with me. But then you read a scripture like that and it's like, I'm going to remove your lampstand from you. It makes you a little nervous. But this is the scripture I found in Deuteronomy and uh, just about the testing. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether... You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. So we've got two words here which actually just bring us back into a circle. If you're going through a little bit of testing it, it's because God wants to know whether you love him. And I'm going to break that open a little bit further on, just in Jesus' life. And I don't know about you guys, but I never enjoy trials and testing. But when I hear that, that God is actually wanting to know where I love him, then I look at trials in a little bit. It's not God doesn't want to see whether I'm going to fail. Because that's often it's like we tested one another. We've, you know, man test you. It's like, come on, I see you're going to make it. Now you failed, loser. And that's where a lot of us come out of. But now we've got a God who's like, I want to see how much you love me. And every trial and test I've been through, that is the bottom line. Will you love me no matter what the outcome? Jobs, children, marriages, cars, houses, everything that gets tested. Do you love me? And so God is a God who is seeing where our hearts are at at the moment. And this is a time where we must respond to him. And so I'm going to go back to the thing of the battle for intimacy. So if God is so loving, kind, merciful, compassionate, amazing to be in his presence, as we heard last week, even with Chris's message, why do we struggle to be intimate with him? Why do we struggle to be intimate with God? You should think it. I mean, after a meeting like this, it should be the easiest thing in the world. Just wake up God's presence. I love him. You're beautiful. You're amazing. Yet often I wake up like, oh, I've got to that meeting. I've got to go and see that guy. My car's broken. I don't have a job. There's no food in the fridge. That's often what things we wake up with. And so I just want to try and break open a little bit of this thing of why is there such a struggle for intimacy and why there's a battle. And just before I do that, in the natural, you can see with us, we've got a whole lot of births going on. Just had one on Friday. Chris and Lisa have had a birth. What does that birth come from? It comes from intimacy. And if we're not intimacy, we're never going to birth. If we don't have intimacy with God, we're never going to birth anything. And so the enemy knows that there's a fight. The enemy wants to stop us being intimate with God. Because if we are intimate with God, if we love God with everything, something's going to be birthed in us. That is beautiful. Every time I'm in God's presence and I connect and the, the impossible things in my heart that I know are impossible, to change changes stuff, God can come and change and birth something new in my life. Anyway, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So I believe in all these little new births and babies around us and you often hear the mommies going ooh and ah on that. Um... Of what is possible in our lives. That if we are intimate with him, that new life can come into our lives. If I think of my, myself, you know. Me standing here, after I say it every time, is a miracle. I was a shawl, mushroom in the dark kind of guy. Just freak out. I would speak. But because I've been with God over all these years, how God has molded and shaped us because of Intimacy. He does the impossible in our lives when we're intimate with Him. So for me, things is like, He want to take shyness out of us, make us be able to pray in public. In the prayer meeting here, how many of us was visit a battle to like, I'm going to say something. I mean, the first time I came to these kind of settings, it's like, are you mad? I'll just sit in the corner and zip. I think God wants to take... Rejection in our lives and bring our acceptance. Whether it's hurt to bring wholeness, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual. And there's areas in all our lives which seem like impossibilities. But being intimate with God, you think of this, the God who created the heavens and the earth. Nothing in your life should be an impossibility. And yet there's a battle for us to believe the truth of God's word and what he wants to do in our lives. So i want to try and take us on a little journey together. Where this all started. So we're going to go to the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, there was intimacy with God. There was life. There was provision. Everything worked in the garden. Man walked with God. There was nakedness. Nakedness is vulnerability. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There is purity. I just want to go into the scripture. It's Genesis 2, uh, 15 to 25. It's a whole lot of scripture. I don't think I'll, for time, read through all of it. But just at the bottom there. Well, let's see. It's up there. There we go but for Adam there was I'm going down down a bit but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for trim. so the lord caused the deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man then the man said this at last is bone of my bone flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she has taken she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. One of the impossible things we do in marriage. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And that's the place where we come in intimacy. When we come before God is when we are naked and unashamed. Because that's, that's how the original design was. But unfortunately, there was a unhappy little snake roaming around in the garden. And We all know Satan, and I think uh, I think the devil was actually envious of the intimacy that man and God had. And um, so that's not a theoretical thing, but that's just one of my thinkings. So you imagine that oneness, and that's the thing that's the enemy works on, destroys, separates, divides, kingdoms, man, marriages, everything he wants to divide. So, um, and he's trying to create a place for us to be intimate with him. If you look at all the things out in the world there, he wants to create an intimacy with us. the you unbeliever, even as a believer, because you're intimate with the things of the devil, what is birth in your life? Sin, death. And so God doesn't want to be a people who are living in death. He wants us to be a people who are living in life, who are birthing things. It's like, it's like the Garden of Eden. We should be like a garden coming in there. Just life and abundance and freedom. So I'm just going to go down to, um, it's in Genesis 3. You can go through the 1 to 13, but I just want to go down into the Scriptures. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself. So they messed up. They did what God had told them not to do. They'd been disobedient. They ate the fruit. Boom. Now they're in need of fig leaves. And uh, so often we can come here with our fig leaves on. And God is wanting us to let go of our fig leaves because of repentance, forgiveness, forgiveness. Everything that we've just tasted now of His body—that is what brings us back into this place of freedom again, because we can be naked and unashamed again, because we can be intimate with our God like it was in the garden. And that, just keep your minds there, not here, so, Because I'm going to be talking about love and intimacy and all kinds of things tonight. So the enemy lied to us. And John 10:10. What is the enemy like? He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And God says, I came that they may have life and life abundantly. So unfortunately, they listen to the enemy and they get kicked out the garden. So they come under the whole joy of having to just work for everything. So Imagine that you've gone from just having everything. Everything works. Everything's per- per- perfect. Now you've got to work. So often that's how we are in this life. We're still under partially under the curse, but everything, a lot of what we do is works-driven, works-driven because of that, that curse. But thankfully, Jesus came, and he restored intimacy with us through the cross. I just want to read a scripture. It's in John 19, 28 to 30. It's like, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst, a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Then Jesus had received the sour wine. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And there's many things you can know that what Jesus was thinking when it was, it was finished. But just for today's thing, I'm thinking like, it is finished. The end of my separation with man will be finished. I will be out of intimacy with man again, because it is finished. And that's a beautiful thing. He's restored there. Just another scripture, just with the cross. John ten seventeen to 18. For this reason, this is why the Father loves Jesus. The Father loves me because I lay down my life. That I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. We have that same choice. I have authority to lay it down And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my father. So the father loved Jesus because he had laid down his life. And we're called to lay down our lives. By laying down our lives, often the biggest thing we're killing in our lives is selfishness. Selfishness is probably one of the biggest enemies of intimacy. If I'm a selfish man and I um, just want to do everything my way, I generally don't have such a great relationship with my wife here. And so what we're doing here reflects here. So it can reflect with not just in marriages, but with one another. If We're selfish. You go hang out with a friend and everything he wants to do. Let's do it my way. Let's go to this place. Let's go to this burger place. Let's do my way, my way. How intimate is your relationship with that guy? So out of a place of having intimacy with God, we should have intimacy with our Brothers, another scripture just to the cross, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And we sang about that somewhere in the worship tonight. But if we are in Christ, we are in that place. It's kind of we're here, but we're there. What an amazing place to be at, at the right hand. You have got you think of you're in the courts of a king, and the king is sitting, and you're sitting at the right hand of the king, you've got his ear, you've got an intimate place to talk things about. That is the place that we have with God. We have a place of intimate relationship with him, where we can talk to him, we can share things. He's going to share things to us. So just knowing God... Uh, the word "yada" is a Hebrew word um, which actually means to know, and it talks about intimacy. Um, it was actually first used when Adam and Eve slept together. Well, the Bible says they lay together. Um, so they had sexual interactions. And it's crazy. Even today, we, we say people sleep together. But if they were sleeping, what would actually have happened? Not a lot. But yet we refer to that term back then, sleeping, like it's an intimate thing. Um, so there's something God wants us to know. And just in 2 Peter, he wants us to know him. 2 Peter 3.18, but to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. So this, God wants us to know him. It's to know him here, but to know the truth of who he is. Intimacy comes in different levels. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about my story with my wife, getting to know my wife. So we both came into Josh Jen in the first, when was this, 99. Um, So yeah, we've been around. So for a year, Leonie was just a girl walking around out there. And then uh, had opportunity, we prayed for her, and God just knitted something in our hearts together. And a little bit of a friendship started, I was a safe place, Leonie had come from serious abuse, and uh, so trust was issues and all kinds of things. I was uh, an ex-broken guy, so I didn't know how to do everything well either. But just the journey of, like, so I knew about Leonie. And then I wanted to know Leoni. So I was like, how am I going to get to know Leonie? I got to the place where I had faith, where she was my wife. So now I'm going to start pursuing her in a greater way. So now we spend time together. So that's being intimate. And um, so friendship grew. And uh, she started to trust me. Like, this is a safe guy. He's not. Up to weird stuff. So anyway, we get married. So now we get married. So now our marriage took three days, basically. So on on the what was it? The one day we did the law contract. We got married legally. Then we did the ceremony, and then we went to the not the hotel, but the the place that we were staying at. And there we should have done the deed, which consummates marriage so there's three three phases but because of hurt rejection abuse mistrust she was scared to take intimacy to the next level and if you think of the things that we go through what some of these things stop us from going to the next level with God and so I was like I could have been like Nah, I don't care we married but I left her and the amazing thing is, and it freaks me out every time, is God woke her up at 4 o'clock in the morning and said, You consummate the marriage now. And you know, when God is involved in that level, it's just something beautiful. He restores all the brokenness and something. And God, we all come from different places in life. And God is wanting to bring us to that place where we are really deeply, intimately. So you can know about God. But do you know God? And on what level do you know God? Because he's calling us. It's not my idea. He's been calling us as a church back to this place because he wants us to be a fruitful people. You know, people often, I mean, we've shared this story in all its glory before. The warts and all. People often will look. I'll just give you a little for two years, Leonie was raped by somebody. Just to give you a little taste of what we had to overcome to get to the place where we have a beautiful marriage now. And people look at me, how can you guys share that stuff? How can you talk about stuff like that? And it's because we are naked and unashamed. We have worked through that stuff. It doesn't mean anything to us. It has no hold over us. I don't look at her like that. She's my bride. She's beautiful. She's covered. She's a woman who walks in the garden. And so I can say that out of a place of I am naked and unashamed about our past. And God wants us to walk naked and unashamed. So there's three types of intimacy, love, knowing one another. So we've got agape, which is God. Filio, which is our brothers, family. And then we've got eros, which is the husband and wife. And so I'm going to go down to just more than agape with God. And I want to go through quite a long portion of Scripture. It's John 15, 1 to 17. I just want us to read it, through it together. I am the true vine, and my Father is the wine, vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The warning for us there. And every branch that does not bear fruit, He prunes. You think about that that trial scripture. He wants us to bear fruit. That it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. How much did that come through in the prayer meeting? We cannot do anything but with God. We have to be in God, intimate with God. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. If we look at our lives, how deep are we in the vine? We'll reflect on how much fruit is in our lives. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers in And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned even more. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So it's not naming it and claim it, it's being in a space of intimacy with God. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Do people think we're his disciples when they look at us? As the Father has moved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. Do you want joy? Abide in his love. And that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is beautiful for me. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Isn't that a beautiful thing of being intimate with somebody? He lets us know the things that he's doing. You did not choose me, but I chose you. But you are chosen people. You're special. You didn't have to perform. He came down and, Yaku, Ruan, Joshua. And he not just chose us and he appointed you, that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whoever you ask, whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So there's something of there, the intimacy of abiding God, being one with God, that fruitfulness should come. So if we take that into the natural, look at Chris and Lisa, baby, there's fruitfulness talks about the fruit of your loins having a child. One day, Josh. (laughs) So if we are spiritually intimate with God, there should come a pregnancy and a birthing in us. New life should be coming in us all the time. And that's why God is bringing us back to this all the time. Back to us all the time. Talks about I don't know. in the scriptures about not being a barren woman and all these kind of things. We we're called to be a fruitful people. So the the danger of intimacy uh, is that if it's used in the wrong place, at the wrong time, it can be a scary thing. So there's a lot of single people here. So intimacy, you keep on. What level again was it? The filio, brothers and sisters. It's amazing in marriage, the enemy wants to rob you of your intimacy all the time. But when you've been joined together, he's pushing you to be intimate all the time. It's like you seem to, I mean, I remember when me and Leonie together, you just like, "Oh, oh, she's so beautiful. And you spend time and you talk until your eyes are like, Falling asleep, you drive. I used to drive to Camps Bay from Tableview and back all the time. You know, you're like, <laughs> because you want to be intimate with that person. But we've got to know how to keep our boundaries on intimacy on the man and woman level. Because intimacy is like a little fire. And if it gets going, it can burn down forests. And so for the young guys out there, just watch your Intimacy. Intimacy takes effort. It's not just that, that thing about jumping in the pool. It takes effort. It's like, often we think, like, God must do everything. God has done everything. He's done everything. We messed it up. He fixed it up. And now it's up to us to respond to that love. My relationship with my wife... Um, Selfishness. One of the biggest things that destroyed intimacy in our marriage was my inability to say sorry. Um, Some of you men might relate. I don't want to put that on you, but um, I was very stubborn. And so if I messed up and did something, I had to be told to say sorry so that I could say sorry. And that really niggled my wife a lot. So I'm just trying to be vulnerable, live in the light. And no, no. Yes, Jenny said I was the most stubborn man she'd ever met. But, um, yeah, a little bit of legacy I'm trying to get rid of. Um, But that was one of the things that robbed intimacy. Because now I'm like, I don't say sorry, but then I want to be all smoochy-cushy with my wife late in the night. She's like, you've got to be kidding. You are arrogant and stubborn and I don't want anything to do with you. And yet we can be like that with God. It's like I don't want to repent. I'm not sorry for that. I think I should, I think it's actually justified what I did. But God love me, bless me, poor. The house on the call? Love me. What about that? 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 No, that's all right. You know, I think it's fine. You know, there goes our intimacy with God. Often we want to justify our actions and sins, and our, you know, it talks about a hard-headed people. I could relate to that. I hope none of you do. If you do, then change. Yeah, I think that and selfishness. Eh? Selfishness is a killer. It's all about me, my needs, what I want. Especially for the married men, maybe the singles to close your ears. Often we want all the time from a woman, sexually. Without... Giving. You know, Christ was the one who gave, laid down his life. And often you can come into marriage, the world teaches you want to take, 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 take. So even in that place, that becomes a place of killing intimacy. So for the men out there, the single men, the married men, God's called us to lay down our lives for our woman, for our sisters around us. Um, the world is going to say, take ground, take ground, be there, overcome her, be there. God is like, go low, go low. You go low, he's gonna make you high. I mean, this is one of the things, you know, one of Andrew, we had an elders camp at the beginning of the year. I thank God that I wasn't there for the first part, but they had the directing elders thing, so and this happens a lot in the thing. So one of the things they asked the guys is how is your sexual life? So uh, it can be quite intimidating if you've never been in that kind of format. So how's, how's it going, guys? How's you know, how many times a week? Good. And you think like, geez, that's a little insensitive and crazy. But what the testing is if there's life, there will be intimacy. And intimacy in marriage leads to you know what. So the amount of intimacy you have as a married couple reflects on how well you're doing with one another. So this has to be, for guys in ministry, this has to be guarded all the time. You're looking out, you've got to keep the Bible talks. I mean, we came in the prayer meeting about that we be one as he's one. But we've got to guard this oneness. And ultimately that oneness leads to the physical side. So there's a reflection of how much, and it's not like, you know, we like 50 times a day on that. But it's like a healthy reflection of what marriage should be. And how intimate are we with God in a week? Could we reflect on how our, our relation with God is? How intimate with, with God are we in a week? So maybe skip that. So just a few lessons from Jesus' life. We're going to go through Matthew, from Matthew 3, uh, 16 to 17. So just something of how, what Jesus went through. And this, the thing I want to highlight in this thing is, this is my beloved son, the bottom there, with whom I'm well pleased. This is Jesus. The Spirit of God came on him. And we can look at that and think like that was just the moment. But I believe that this is God affirming his son for the life, up until then, it was like this. That's an intimate moment. You've got a child and you sit with your boy. It's like, my boy, you're amazing. Well pleased with you. So he was faithful as a carpenter. He learned the scriptures from a young age. He was a man of prayer. And then from that place, in Matthew 4, it 1 to 11. He gets tested. As the Spirit leads him into the wilderness, it's not like the devil led him there. The Spirit of God took him. So there's a moment of intimacy with his father straight into the wilderness. And at the end it goes down there. um, And he said to him, this is now Jesus talking to say to him, all these things, now this is Sorry, this is Satan talking. And he said to him, All these things I will give you. If you will fall down and worship me, then Jesus said to him, Begone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So I think the devil left when he realized this was settled in Jesus' heart. It didn't matter what angle he threw at him, nothing was going to get this. This man of God, this God who was a man, should I say. And so what do we need to settle in our lives? Because the enemy is going to come to us with these little questions as well. If I give you that job, if I do this for you, if I do that for you. And it's like, no matter what those little temptations, I'm in sales, often you get thrown... All these kind of things. You know, you do that, you cut that, you're going to get this. So you don't see the little horn guy, you see another man sitting across the table from you offering you kinds of things. And you've got to have your eyes spiritually open to see the little horn guy talking through that man. And so we've got to settle things in our heart. So when that time comes, we're going to go worship one God doesn't matter what, whether I walk around and, you know on the streets, I will worship one God. And we've got to settle things in our heart before they happen. Because it's difficult when you're in the things to like that. So I think of alcohol, one of the things that I struggled over the years was alcohol. So if I didn't settle in my heart before I went to a function, this was as a Christian, no beer. If I didn't settle it, then when I got there, they go, hey, do you want a beer? Yeah, sure. Oh, I'm having a beer. I'm not saying having a beer is wrong, but for me it was like having one beer led to 60 beers and, you know, just debauchery. So that's just an example of settling things. What do we need to settle in our hearts so the devil will leave us alone? And then straight after that, in Matthew 4, 12 to 17, comes birth. It's actually the birth of Jesus' ministry. And I just want to go down to the. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he went from intimacy to testing to birthing of his ministry. And it's something that God wants to do in us. I'm not going to say we're going to start a ministry straight, but that's a principle that happens in our life talks about he was like a light has dawned. If we have intimacy with God and we pass those tests, light comes on us. We shine for Jesus. We become something for people around. Like, how do you get through your day? Why are you not swearing and freaking out and, you know? Because there's a light that's come in us as we're birthing new things into us all the time. Let's just see how much time we got. We've got a few little times. I was going to run through a few little things here. Enemies, enemies of intimacy. For me, these distractions, these things. Now, how many of you read your Bibles on these things? You know, ping Facebook, ping email, ping off away from the Bible. Distractions. Watch out for them on this. If it's an issue, put this thing down. Read the paper Bible. Selfishness after all, hurt. Hurt stops us from being intimate. Flesh, we've crossed the boundaries, um, our brokenness. Often our perception, our past stops us from being intimate in our futures. The demonic stops us. How many little lies in our heads like, you're not worthy to go to the front. I, I don't think Jesus could actually do anything with you in life. And depending on what you've come out, there's all little subtle things with the enemy would stop us coming into a place of intimacy. The Bible talks about taking every thought captive. And one of the biggest problems might be you. One of the things is laziness. To get up and actually seek God. To create that place of intimacy. When you're in his word, the word talks about it doesn't come back not null and void. This life comes out of the word. And you've got to fight for that. If you love somebody, you'll fight for them. I mean, the guys talk, I mean, was that one person they had a date, they flew to the Caribbean because they love somebody from London? I mean, you make a plan. We can make a plan to get with God. So often laziness can be a thing. And then sin. Sin stops us being intimate with God. So how do we create a place of intimacy for you and God? Um, now I think about going on a date. So uh, If I want to go out with my wife, say she wasn't my wife. And I rock up there, I've got like one shoe on. I haven't bathed for three weeks. My hair is like over here. It's like, hey, so you want to go out for dinner? You want to spend some nice candlelight time with me? Yeah, and she's gone. She's like, what is this I'm thinking? But sometimes we can wonder, why does God run away from me when there's that stuff in our lives? It's like coming to his throne. We present ourselves as living sacrifices. So deal with the things in our heart. We've already had a time of response. But let's keep on. This is going to be a life journey. It's never going to stop. So fight for that time in the morning. Whatever works for you. You know, we talk about time in the morning. I'm a sales guy, so I'm on the car a lot. So I make time in the car. And often for me, I switch everything off. For me, I love silence. Because it talks about God's voice being a still, small voice. So I love to get to a place of silence to be with God. Because then I hear Him. I don't have distractions. I don't know if the song is talking to me or is God talking to me. Then I know that I'm hearing God. So God wants us to overcome these things and get to a place of intimacy so that new things are birthed in us. Now you imagine each and every one of us birth something new in God, in our gifting, in our character, in our life. then you think of that corporately as Josh Chen. What will happen in our lives? If we keep on responding to that love, Because God's been reaching out to us from the beginning of the year. Come near, come near, come near, come near. And love requires a response. In Proverbs 8 it says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. It takes some effort. It takes jumping into the swimming pool. Then Jeremiah 29, 11 to 23, I'm just going to go down and it goes, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. He's promising that I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, the scary thing is the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things, so you're kind of like, okay, God, how much of my heart is actually really seeking you? But then David also said, come, God, search me. So we've got to be real and vulnerable with what's going on inside us. Then in James 4, 8, it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And I think that's basically what Corbus sang, what God was saying over us. Now, often that can sound like something you must do, or it can sound like God reassuring us that if we do draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Because so often the doubt is, I don't know. I'll sit at the back. I don't know if I'm going to go to God. God's promised to us, if we clean ourselves up, draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So don't let the lies, don't let stuff stop you coming to God. So just something... You know, in this whole process, I was thinking like conception. You have no control over. You can do what you need to do, but you can't actually control when you fall pregnant. But you can control intimacy. You can control nurturing. You can protect. And so... We don't know the timing of God birthing things in our lives. There's things that God has spoken over us individually, prophetic words, I've called you to do this, I've said this about you. We can't control that, but we can control the other things. We can control the intimacy. Often we withdraw because but God you said and it hasn't happened. You've probably you've all heard my story. I was said I was gonna be an elder like 300 years ago. Almost like the early days of Josh Chin, And I went through like heart rendering things. Because. But God you said. Didn't happen. Let God. Make us pregnant. Let's nurture it. Let's. Protect it. So. I just want to end with Chris and Lisa's thing. I think. For us as a church. it's a, It's a prophetic picture for us. That God wants to birth something new in us as Devonville PM. And that means all of us have to be intimate. It's a picture. It's a beautiful picture. Lisa managed to do natural birth. And they went through a thing of they were trusting for natural birth. Then they had some issues with the the fluid. And uh, will they be able to do it? But they kept on going through in faith for what God had promised them. So there was a testing, and then there was a birthing. She pushed through. They managed to give natural birth, beautiful baby. And there's a picture for us of, like, what is God wanting to bring through into us in this time as a congregation? And for, for us to do all the things that we do, for me to stand here as an elder, if I don't do this, there's going to be no life in me. I'm eventually going to wither up and die. To lead your comm group, say for Vian, if he's not intimate like that, comm group's going to feel like it's strangling. For the guy sitting on the AV desk there, if he's not intimate with God, it just becomes a burden. If you're a worship leader, every week, I've got to come up here, set up and do stuff, becomes a burden. All the things that God's calling us to serve in the kids' church, all the things that God, if we're not intimate with God, is not going to come life on, and God is calling us for more. So, not sure Yaku, where I'm going to be ending off now. <laughs> not sure where you want to go with this, um, but I want to just read us. Uh, it's out of Song of Solomon, Number, Solomon one one to four, the songs of songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss. Me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out, therefore virgins love you. Draw me after you, let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine.